after a two-week layoff of the Mississippi on the Move podcast. I am your brother, Abdul Shahid Muhammad. I am expecting the arrival of our brother, Brother Kenneth Muhammad, shortly. Uh, You know, he has a lot of stuff to do, so God willing, he can get himself broken away for tonight's uh, podcast. We got a special one lined up for you, but before we get into it, 
at all. Please allow me to begin in the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful. I bear witness that there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger. We as spiritually mature people don't argue over the names by which the divine creator is known. We know and understand that people of other faiths refer to him by a name different than different, excuse me, than that of Allah. Some call him Jehovah, some call him Jah, some call him Yahweh. We honor and respect those names. We believe in all of the prophets of the sacred text of the Old Testament or the Torah, and of course the gospel of the New Testament, and certainly the Holy Quran. Please allow us to greet you with the greeting words of peace in the language of all of the prophets of Assalamu Alaikum. Those words simply mean may peace be unto you. Well, brothers and sisters, we've been away for a couple of weeks. We had some conflicting events uh, that happened during our broadcast that uh, I had to certainly be in attendance. So uh, we had to lay off a couple of weeks and I know it was probably odd. I hope you all didn't miss us too bad, but we're back tonight and we got a special broadcast tonight. Uh, for the first 15 minutes, you will hear uh, us. Uh, well, you'll hear us throughout the broadcast. But for the first 15 minutes, it will be exclusively the Mississippi on the Move podcast. But at about 15 minutes after, we will plug in, plug in to the Elevated Places podcast to uh, work together. Simultaneously, we'll be simulcasting with them and uh, we've been invited. I've been invited by our dear brother Darius Muhammad, the husband or widower of our beloved sister, student minister, Dr. Ava Muhammad. May Allah be pleased with her. Invited me on to uh, that platform to participate in a conversation with the cousin of Emmett Till, Sister Ali Gordon. Uh, along with uh, Sister Charlene of The Final Call and Dr. Ridgely, our farmer uh, in the Nation of Islam. And I was uh, contacted by my dear sister and friend, Sister Donna Muhammad. So we are looking forward to that. So, But for the first 15 minutes, uh, we're going to get our announcements and uh, things in uh, that we need to make known to our listening audience. Uh, we hope and pray that what we share this evening will be beneficial to you. Uh, in, in terms of information and informing us and encourage us to stay on, as we say as Muslims, Saratul Mustaqim, that is the straight path. But tonight's program is entitled The Strength and Legacy of Mamie Till Mobley. The question is asked, has Mississippi changed 67 years after the murder of Emmett Till? Has Mississippi changed 67 years after the murder of Emmett Till. That is a question we are going to explore this evening. And please remember, as we explore uh, this particular subject matter, please be reminded of our axioms, as we say. Uh, those are our guiding principles. We're not going to get in our feelings. We really want to look at things as they are, uh, that we won't uh, get overwhelmed or consumed about the way we feel about a thing, but just look at it as it is. So we give these axioms, the first from the Amber Lewis Farrakhan, wherein he says, he who gives you the diameter of your knowledge prescribes for you the circumference of your activity. As you see in national news, the deal or deal with uh, our brother Kanye West, and he can't even express himself because he's now thinking outside of the diameter of knowledge that was given to us. So is our brother Kyrie Irving, and you are seeing the thought police patrolling, trying to beat back a man uh, who should have the freedoms that they say he has. So we're seeing it 
in uh, real time that black people are still not free. Second axiom from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, he says, a slave is one who's, um, oh, excuse me. A slave is one whose power and authority is ruled over by another and whose sphere of freedom is limited according to the wishes of his master. Third axiom we like to use from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, he says, when you see a man fall, don't laugh, learn. Because you're on the way up and the things that tempt people to fall, you and I are not free from that temptation, nor from the weakness that will cause us to stumble and fall. When you laugh at somebody else's fall, white or black, rich or poor, your enemy or your friend, you're laughing and opening a way for your own demise when you do that. Because to laugh and not learn, to make a mockery and not to understand is to make the same mistake yourself. And we also want to add Carter G. Woodson when he says, when you control a man's thinking, which is what they're trying to do with Kyrie and our brother Kanye. When you control a man's thinking, you do not have to worry about his actions. You do not have to tell him to go here or yonder. He will find his proper place and will stay in it. You do not have to send him to the back door. He will go without being told. In fact, if there's not a back door, he will cut one for his special benefit. His education makes it necessary. And lastly, Victor Hugo, when he said, if the soul is left in darkness, sins will be committed. The guilty one is not he who commits the sin, but he who causes the darkness. So there you have it. Keep those in mind as much as you can as you listen to tonight's broadcast. And we're going to break away real quick and get our commercial announcements in. And in about five minutes, we will be plugging in to the Elevated Places broadcast. We will be right back. Worldwide, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Download the Final Call Radio app and take us everywhere. On your phone, on your computer, on your tablet, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also log on to FinalCall.com and click the Listen Live button. Or FinalCallRadio.com. Final Call, Final Call Radio. The official voice of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. What's your source for truth in news reports? No justice! No peace! No justice! No peace! Where do you turn for non-corporate driven news that's fair and balanced? Subscribe to the Final Call News, your number one free and independent news source that delivers hard-hitting national and international news coverage of today's political, economic, and social issues. To subscribe to local home delivery, call us at area code 662-252-8999. That's 662-252-8999. Visit our website at www.finalcall.com. The Urban Indulgence Bath and Body Boutique. At Urban Indulgence, we pride ourselves on offering quality, effective skin care. Handcrafted with plant-based, skin-loving ingredients, our soaps and body butters will give you luxurious lather and ultimate moisture. Experience the Urban Indulgence at 3314 Poplar Avenue in Memphis, three blocks west of Poplar Plaza, or shop with us online at theurbanindulgence.com. Theurbanindulgence.com. And we're back on the 
Mississippi on the Move podcast. I am your brother, Abdul Shaheed Muhammad. Momentarily, we will be plugging into the Elevated Places broadcast with our sister Charlene Muhammad and Dr. Ridgely with the host that they have on the line with them, the cousin of Emmett Till, Sister Ali Gordon. Uh, we will be discussing the legacy. Of course, she will be uh, handling the lion's share of the legacy of our dear sister who suffered uh, one of the most extreme tragedies that any mother could suffer in the loss of her son and the manner in which he was taken from her, Emmett Till, uh, Sister Ali Gordon will be discussing that. And we will be discussing the question of has Mississippi changed 67 years after the murder of Emmett Till? So uh, I got about two minutes before that time. I'm listening in on them and, and they are in uh, the discussion. And I, I hear our sister Ali Gordon talking about uh, Sister Mamie Till and uh, how she uh, struggled for change and how she allowed tragedy to be a catalyst, if you will, to bring awareness to what was happening in that time uh, to our brothers and sisters in the Delta, in the Mississippi Delta. And uh, even today, brothers and sisters, we see uh, the same thing happening today uh, with uh, brothers and sisters in the Mississippi Delta today. And I will be bringing to bear some uh, numbers. I want to send a quick shout out to my brother, William Muhammad down there in uh, West Point, Mississippi. Thank you, dear brother William, man, for the work that you did, the leg work and gathering information and data for us to present tonight. See, we don't do this by ourselves. We got people that aid and assist. So thank you so much, brother William. I want to thank also my brother, Kamal Kareem, for uh, sending me documents that are receipts as it relates to what's happening now in the Mississippi Delta. And brothers and sisters, you're going to be a bit taken aback. I just got to be honest with you. You're going to one likely be a bit taken aback at the fact that the thing that you think doesn't exist, it exists in a way that you probably would not believe because these kinds of uh, uh, egregious miscarriages of justice, injustice, that happens simply don't make CNN, MSNBC, and your major mainstream news outlets. And this is why a, a podcast like this becomes important, particularly to our community, because uh, you're not aware and they're not going to tell our story. And this is also what makes that newspaper that we just did a jingle on the final call. So very, 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 very important. We have to understand, dear family, that we live in a world that is very, very indifferent, meaning, uh, you know, it doesn't matter to them one way or another. Uh, as it relates to our well-being, the improvement of the quality of life for ourselves, and that's really not out of the ordinary. It's really not. Okay, we're fixing to... Assalamu alaikum. All praises are due to Allah. This is brother... Yes, brother Shahid. Assalamu alaikum. Yes. Wa alaikum salam. Yes. Are you All there? All praises How are, are you? This is brother. Yes. Yes. We, I didn't mean to brother, brother Shahid. You, you, you there there in Mississippi. What to say about all this? Well, Mississippi is exactly what it's always been. Let's let's just be honest about it. Uh, when you look at the numbers, and uh, uh, first of all, let me please uh, back up and begin 
uh, in the name of Omnipotent, the merciful, I bear witness that there is no God of law, and I bear witness uh, that Muhammad is his messenger. Uh, we want to thank Allah for all of the prophets and all of the scriptures revealed into the whole of humanity. And we want to uh, um, thank Elevated Places for having us on. I'm asking here because uh, we've been blessed to bring our audience this conversation from the Mississippi on the Move podcast. Please allow me to call you, uh, Brother Darius, uh, Sister Charlene, and uh, uh, Brother Dr. Ridgely for inviting us on part of this uh important conversation that evokes uh, a level of pain, if you will, when we revisit uh, this conversation. Uh, I wasn't, I didn't have a chance to really listen to the commentary right before I got on, as I just multitasking, but based on what we're talking about, uh, that we asked the question, has Mississippi changed 67 of Emmett Till? The, the answer to that question is an em emphatically no. Uh, anytime there's a historical marker, that's erected in remembrance of the tragedy of the loss of a 14-year-old child in this day and time, people will go to that mark and fire high-powered weapons at it. Speaks to that Mississippi has not changed. And these were college students doing this. Uh, the reports, and, and it made the news going on uh, in Mississippi. And you're still having instant, multiple instances of um, black men in town with no uh, explanation solved, no accountability, no one being held accountable. You all remember, if you may remember, back in 1993, I think it was one of the student ministers of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, I think it was Brother Susan Charles, where his son was arrested and ended up uh, in the custody mm -hmm. of, of one of the, uh, I can't remember the local police department's name, but this kind of thing continues, and all the way up, uh, dear family, uh, I, since I've been there, several reports of uh, brothers and sisters of uh, this kind of thing. I mean, I mean, I even have the names of people like Raynard Johnson, the seventh. This this brother was lynched in June of 2000, found hanging. Okay, no one knows what happened. 23 year old in 2000, January of 2000, reveal April of 2004, Frederick Carter, 26-year-old man, December of 2010, Craig Anthony, 11, Otis Bird, March of 2015, we're not saying 1905, we just said 2015, Carol, May of 2017. So I want to leave out uh, DeAndre uh, Hopkins, I think, May of 2019. So this was just two years ago. And this is a list that were hung, found lynched. And this is what happened. Local authorities are indifferent about weapons. And, uh, and the list goes on. There are other names. There are other names. And uh, when you look at it and you get an opportunity to talk to the people in the different communities, the various these incidents are happening, then uh, what's happening, uh, just as it was in 1955, with uh, our dear brother Emmett Till. Same thing is going on today. And uh, that's that's where my mind is. Please allow me. I left out the fact I wanted to greet our dear sister, sister, <laughs> a cousin of yeah, Emmett Till. Sister, it is an honor, an honor to share this platform with you, ma'am. And also, my be invited to share with you guys. 
thank you. You know, thank you for that, uh, Brother Student Minister Shahid, and also in the name of Allah with your opening. You know, Mrs. to just double back a little bit briefly and ask you to speak about, as we uh, reflect on Mrs. Mobley, some of the initiatives that face and developing in her honor, because as we spoke of you, you said this was not just a woman to be remembered as someone who had a, that was taken and killed, but what did she experience through, up through the time that she did depart this earth? She was through all of the pain, suffering, uh, you know, upon that any mother would, but however, I'm sure that hers was more intense, if I could say so, because of the manner in which she lost her son. She wasn't able to be with him and to see how he was muted and beaten uh, and tormented. I'm sure I lost pain that I still from 2020 mm-hmm. and travels from natural causes. And I can only imagine still what uh, Mamie, Mrs. Mobley went through because took man in which she did. I just don't think that I would have survived. So God gave her some strength. Some it had to be from God. She always said that was to lose image. She he said that he was the sacrificial lamb, born, and he had to meet his demise in order for us to achieve uh, the liberties that we have today. And as the gentleman said, uh, the atrocities are still occurring because recently uh, down in Louisiana, I think the kid's name was Raheem. I can't remember. Macmillan, I think. He was shot in the head. The cops emptied the gun on him. And he he didn't have it. So it's still happening. This is Mobley. Let's, let's back up a little bit. Most people were stuck on 1955 because that's when it was put to the eyes of society. But I think the journey started when she even had Emmett. Uh, I was just reading somebody, uh, you know, even when she migrated from the state of Mississippi, they talked there when she was in Mississippi and went visiting. She went into the store, and all she wanted was a roll of toilet paper. And they laughed at her and taunted her and told her to go use corn shucks or whatever. I think that was one thing she went through. You know, she she um, integrated the drugstore in Summit, Illinois, where they, she was only maybe 18. Uh, she married Emmett's father, uh, Emmett Lewis Till Seems, their first date, and they went in and they weren't usually allowed to... In the, in, in the drugstore, just as in Mississippi. For some reason that day, uh, her soon-to-be husband, the senior, he decided that they were going to sit at the parlor and eat, and they did, and then other black youth started to attend, so that integration there in Summit. Uh, they are right now erecting uh, a statute, get 22nd, at Argo Summit High School, where she, she was only the fourth mm. black student to away from Argo Summit, and she did graduate with high honors. And now today, I noticed that they are held to have had her as a student, that they are erecting a statute that was created by a black young lady by the name of Sonia Henderson, and she did a magnificent mm-hmm. job capturing the spirit of Mrs. Moby. I've been able to see the statute, and she worked step-by-step step with the family, the intimate family, the in- intimate family that lived in the home and grew- and knew into her, not like some people are making movies and poems and whatever, and they haven't consulted the family at all. 
They're going by what's written in a book about hearsay. So she had started her journey. She started her journey long before she had Emmett. Mm. Thank you. Oh, pardon me. Go ahead, sister. Um, you know, there's many other things here, but uh, we can continue with the program, and I can uh, jump in from time to time because so, I don't want to take up all your time. No, actually, feel free. I, I had a delay. I mean, to interrupt you. I thought there was a pause there, but uh, we hear your insight. I was just going to say for the callers, we will be, the listeners, we will be taking your calls. You may call 563-99-3065-563. 999-3065 and press in the queue. Also, visit Meanwhile. His mother never could accept that, and it was, it, she had suffered so much until I think Uncle Mose told them, just let her let her have that peace. So when she did pass away, the cousins that was there said that he did whistle. But none of that other stuff occurred or happened. I thought yes, that the movie, you, too much, the movie put too much emphasis on the wallet with white picture in it. Back in the day, as I understand, they did buy wallets and they did have these uh, paper pictures in it. But the, the, the emphasis that they put on that, I thought, was uh, giving a little bit too much credit mm-hmm. to whatever they're saying, going up to what they're leading to as far as him whispering at her. Mm. As, Got it. As, and then... The I think there's some feedback. If anyone has the uh, show on uh, as well as listening, if you can probably mute, because I do hear the show in background. But we're, what about we're, the, the question of were black men really involved in the kidnapping, in his kidnapping when he was first taken from the house? Uh, yes, as I understand that there were three black men involved. Uh, and uh, as we understand, these black men worked for Mylon and Bryant, and we don't know under what duress they were forced uh, to accompany accompany them with the kidnapping. I, I don't think, I, I, in my heart, I don't believe that black men would have willingly did what they did or helped if they did not feel that their lives was, was as well in jeopardy, if they did not follow the own they did not follow the order from the white men. Mm. So Got there it. was three, Got it. definitely three, there was definitely three, three black men involved. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Wow. Richie or brother, wow. I, I know, right? I hear the wow, right? It's heavy. I know that that was, I'll, I'll yield to Dr. Ridgely. That was me saying wow. But, uh, well, you I know, I guess I said, no, go ahead, sir. Go ahead, beloved. You know, when you have a, um, a pit bull and the, the, the pit bull master lets the chain loose and tell him to stick, you know, on somebody, who's at fault, the pit bull or the one who said, stick him? And mm. see, this is, this is, we have been domesticated, and not just in slavery, but after that, these lynchings that happened um, after like 1890, where they were lynching a black person every three days for years, and putting it in the newspaper, uh, having people to come to the picnic, 
where they was picking right. the, the, the skin of the bones of a, of a burnt black person. So these things were made to continually put fear in us, and now we have these high-tech lynchings, the way they're doing uh, Brother Ye, formerly known as Kanye. These are high-tech yes. lynchings now. Uh, this, these are to remind us, to put us back in our place, and to continue the development of the ingrain. They say, why don't you just get over slavery? Well, after slavery, from 1865 to 1910, we bought, we bought 16 million acres of land. We put up 60 uh, uh, cities. We had eight medical schools. By 1923, we had 200 hospitals. So we, were, we had banks. So we were working together. And then they came and they bombed us. You know about, everybody knows about uh, 1921 in Tulsa. But in uh, 19, yeah. uh, uh, 1919, in Elaine, Arkansas, they killed 200 black farmers because they dared to set up a co-op so they get better prices for their cotton. So this is a continual uh, uh, way to keep the cattle back in the fence. If they would just leave us alone, we would do good together. Now, I'm, this, when they brought drugs into the communities, before that time, we used to keep our doors open. Okay? But now you've got to lock your doors because you, you don't know what thugs is out there. But the government invented those thugs. They invented the thugs, and they put them in jail, and then they offered them time out if they would incriminate somebody else or time out if they involved themselves in some type of medical experiment. So this is a constant <clears throat> war against us to make us not trust one another and afraid of the master to the point that we won't even say that was the master who put me up to it. Okay? It's like down here, when I first got down here to Georgia, two years before I got down here, they had killed the head of NAACP and his office at Dawson, and a black man did it. Well, later on, it came out, after he was in prison for a while, he told the truth. He was paid to do it. Okay? So this is the type of thing that we suffer on a regular basis to what? Make us not want to work together. Make us think that we can't. Uh, 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 that we hate each other. They had this gangster rap, keep this killer, killer nigga. You know, all, all so it's being pumped on us by the same people who enslaved us, but now they do it behind the curtain of some black person who is trying to make it in their world. And to make it in their world, you have to tear down our world. Mm. Good teaching. Mm. We're going to be taking calls at 8, 5, 6, at um, 8 p.m., Five six three nine 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 three zero six five and press one to get in the queue. Uh, Student Minister Shahid Abdul Shahid, I heard you. <laughs> yes, ma'am. No, earlier I said wow because uh, as Dr. Ridley was just opining uh, that well, really not opining. He was just stating facts. That's not an opinion. That was that's a matter of record. <laughs> what he was saying <laughs> that there's there's always some of us involved and the undoing of one another in aiding and assisting our enemies to do these things. And we see the same thing today. I would say to those who tell us to get over slavery, I would say to them, how can we get over something that's still going on? 
Come on. It's, Come on. it's still happening. It's just more sophisticated. As Dr. Right. Richard alluded to, it's done from behind the curtain. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan gave us the definition of a slave, and, and, uh, and we use it on our program because I think it's so very, very powerful when he said that a slave is one whose power and authority is ruled over by another and whose sphere of freedom is limited according to the wishes of his master. Well, according to that definition, we're still a slave because mm. as we see during the time of Emmett Till, they could willfully go into our community, call a young baby out of the house, mm-hmm. just knock on the door and demand at will with, without any fear of uh, consequence or being sanctioned in any kind of way or prosecuted and get their brand of justice. So it is today. Police officers on forces, particularly in small townships in the Delta, have this thought that they can just waltz their way into our community, threaten us, tell a mother, I'm going to get your son. And with the same indifference with which uh, Emmett was handled, they handle black boys, women, and girls today. They do the same thing. And and you see it at the community level with regular everyday people, and you see it at the highest echelon of black people among us as you are watching it with uh, our brother Kanye and Kyrie. I mean, it's like they, you, you do not have freedom of movement or freedom of thought as a black person. So to tell me to get over slavery when it's still going on is quite, you know, it's quite hypocritical. But um, it's, a, it's a heck of a thing to, to watch, uh, as, as we were saying, as uh, when I said, wow, other black men in 2022, either so uninformed or so afraid of losing something, participate in the madness. Because mm, come when on. the warrant, when the warrant for the arrest of uh, Miss Carol Bryant Dunham was found, there were people that for years knew that that document was in that basement. There were black people that knew that that document was in that basement. And when it was unearthed, there were black people that played a role in this government still not giving justice to this family. And for whatever reason, as I understand it, uh, years ago, it was because she was a mother and this, that, and the other. Okay. Well, what was the reason today? Was it because she was too elderly? Was that the reason? Well, they didn't see a problem with locking up 83-year-old Bill Cosby. What are you talking about? And not only that, the man can't even see. Meanwhile, Harvey Weinstein still walks free. So we have to get to a point where we, as a people, respond properly because they are not changing and they have not changed and will not change how they relate and respond to us. So, therefore, we must change how we relate and respond to them. And that brings up the conversation of separation. <laughs> there it is. Absolutely. How about we, uh, Dr. Risley, um, I hear you want to make a comment. And then no, we have some callers. We can begin. Big wild, right? How, yeah. Before we go to the line, how about you, Mrs. Mrs. Gordon? Would you like to add anything? 
I'm listening and uh, absorbing what the gentleman is saying. And even mm. when we separate, even when we separate ourselves, they still will not let us uh, live in harmony and in peace and, and achieve what we need to just survive in society. You saw what they did at Rosewood and in Tulsa. I mean, history continues to repeat itself. Ooh, I have a feeling we're not experiencing that again anytime soon, but I'm not the God, so you will see well, how that turns out. Go ahead, Doc. Well, <laughs> Dr. Well, Rizzi, pardon me. <laughs> you know, this is, this, is, this is one of the issues that we have with our people over Tulsa and other places like that when they bombed us and they kill us. You know, we say, in the matter of fact, I'm looking at a graph. For instance, I'll show you this graph. I, I, y'all can't see it, but I've done the research on the, the black inventions, the lynchings, and the acres of land that we had over time. And like I said, from 1880 to like 1920, they were lynching one black person every three days or so. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, in 1930, it bottomed out. 1930, it bottomed out. And so we, in the nation of Islam, I know the people get tired of us keep pumping. We keep pumping our thing, but I'm sorry. The fact is that somebody came in 1930 and said that he had a wheel that could destroy America in 12 hours, and they they took the writings of Donald B. Elijah Muhammad talking about the wheel when they put him in jail in 1942, took mm-hmm. those writings and asked Donald B. Muhammad these questions. And then in 1947, they had what's called the, the battle in, in uh, L.A., where they fought against this wheel all night long. And so now in June of, of 2021, the government finally admits that they have these flying objects that move in 5,000 miles per hour and can turn on a dime without making a squeak. That they know these fields are real, and they're afraid to come at us. If we would separate, if they come at us, they will be destroyed. Mr. Farrakhan is told over and over again, here I am, come get me. But if you, if you kill me, you will be destroyed in 12 hours. And so they, you don't see him shooting at Farrakhan, do you? So I understand our people, uh, you know, they admit that, that we are correct when we call white people devils because they tell us over and over again, if we separate, they ain't going to do but come in there and blow us up. Why would they blow us up just because we don't want to be with them? Why would they blow us up just because we want to be with ourselves? Why would they do that? They help Israel be by itself. They help the Jews take a country from the Palestinians so they can be by themselves. But yet, if we try to be by ourselves, we're afraid they're going to blow us up. Well, hell, I'm tired of being a nigga in America. I say to separate, let's see if the God is real. I think my God is real, and he will take you out. Because now you have got to admit that, that what is up in that sky you cannot handle. So I, I feel sorry for my people who don't believe as we believe. I understand their fear. I understand why they feel the way they do. But we got to come up out of that and just do some thinking and some studying. It's like studying about these UFOs, so-called UFOs. They, they yes, know sir. Now tell, tell yes, me sir. what are they doing out there. Except we done told you in advance they were out there. Now they tell you that it's there. Maybe you better understand that that is a weapon that we have to protect us by our God who came to personal master for our Muhammad. I hate to preach. That's I got right. When I hear how people scared of me down. Well, that's why I want to get 
It's because they fear how we are and can become. And that is the fear. That's why they play with the minds, with the drugs, and all the other things to keep the bulk of our people's minds in control because they know how powerful we can be and will become. They fear that. And this is why they keep Mm -hmm. their their feet on our necks. Mm-hmm. Thank you, I like to. Accept your own and be yourself. Be and yourself. Brother, uh, Minister has Brother Minister Abdul Shahid has to take leave, so I wanted to see if he oh. would be able to give his closing remarks. He's going to take leave, and we'll come right back to you, Doctor Richie, because I hear you okay. fired up. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, no, the the thought came to my mind when as Doctor Ridgely was. Uh, expressing a reality that has been taught among us in the nation of Islam since the 30s, that America is now just admitted last year. You know, brothers and sisters, a study of scripture, and I don't mean to preach either. When you look at the peoples and prophets and the times, the most difficult thing for the people to accept during the time of the prophets was the fact that God had raised a man from among them. They didn't readily accept that notion. I mean, even even Abraham had a problem accepting God's judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen to what he asked God when God told him what he was about to do. He said, will you kill the righteous along with the wicked? As though God had not already made an assessment of who deserved to leave and who deserved to die and who didn't. And the people of the time of Noah, they laughed at the man. See, it's easy for Mm. us to accept the prophets today. But if you had lived during the time of Noah, a man preaching for 150 years that is going to rain and float a boat away that he had just built, after 10 years you're with him, 20 years, 30 years, maybe into 40 years. Well, after about 60 or 70 years, you, you get impatient. So now the people are laughing. And we can accept that prophets lived among peoples of old. And at the same time, many of us will bear witness. Many uh, white uh, uh, clergy and televangelists and scholars agree that America is the Babylon of which the scriptures speak, is the mystery Babylon. And the Hebrew boys were taken captive in ancient Babylon and also in mystery Babylon. Well, should there be a Daniel among us? Should there not? Though they talk about a Moses, this government, and their documents. Jagahuva, his objective was to prevent the rise, listen at his words, of a black messiah. Why? Why, U.S. government, are you using biblical language in reference to those whom you've captured? Why did Thomas Jefferson say he trembled for his country when he reflected that not his law is just, but that God is just, and that his justice can't sleep forever. So, brothers and sisters, do we not think that God is not going to deal with a country that's brought millions upon millions of souls across the Atlantic Ocean and has murdered and pillaged them, and it continues to the day, to this day? And all of the events of those kinds of atrocities pale. Not being using the comparison, but when you put it, when you juxtapose it to what's happened to us, those who claim atrocities have happened to them, they pale in comparison to what happened and continues.
to happen to us. So God has to send us somebody or the scriptures are not truthful. And we can't say that the scriptures are not truthful. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go back to Nikki and then we'll take some calls. Yeah. yeah. What I wanted to say was Miss Oli, how do you say say her name? Oli. I'm not good. Oli. Okay. You are 100% correct, and I just want to emphasize what you just said. So people got to hear that and understand it. Yes, they are afraid of our rise. They've always been. Listen, if I'm running against Usain Bolt in a 100-yard 100, 100 dash, you know who Usain Bolt is, right? Yes. The track star. All right, only thing Usain Bolt wants to know is how much money I got. He ain't going to race me for nothing. He won't know how much money I got because he know he go beat me. All right? Now, but when we try to race, the white people always come with some discrimination. You don't discriminate against an inferior. You discriminate against a superior who you got to make become an inferior to you because you can't win on a level playing field. The Arab Elijah Muhammad said that they will never have lived with us on an equal system because they know we will rise to the top. So every time you whip around them, they're going to demand to be in charge. They want, if, it was a, if it was a race, they want, to be, they want to be at the starting block with the gun, so they can call it when you, when you jump, jump the gun. Then they want to be at the end of, with, with the string, so they can determine who wins. And they want to put oil in your lane and not give you no spikes on your track shoes and not allow you to use a starting block. All right? Because why? They know on an even, even playing field, we will always come out the winner. And that's why they continue to discriminate, to cheat, to have one set of rules for them, another set of rules for us, because they know because they were so afraid. In 1910, when they found out that we had 10 million people, and they thought we was going to die out, but we had 10 million people and 16 million acres of land in the South. So they... They always have known who we are. They, we were not swinging from the trees in Africa, okay? We had civilization, and they stole us and sold us as engineers. Read the book that we put out, the research team, Jews Selling Black. They sold us as engineers to each other. So we built this country for them. And when they, 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 they let us loose because the North wanted to take us from the South, and we went into the woods, and start building civilization, a base within a nation, and they found out about it, they've been to war with us every since. Over and over mm. again. They are intimidated by us. Okay? Thank you, Mary. Yeah. Well, let's go to the phone lines. We have Brother Daryl. Thank you for holding. Welcome to Elevated Places. And Salam alaikum, family. Happy Savior's Day. Wa alaikum salam. Happy Savior's Day. Yes, and to our beloved family, Emmett cousin, uh, that loss is also our loss because we are one family. Uh, this enemy, he wants to divide us. If we are one. Uh, I picked up this video about maybe 20 years ago at Walmart and before this movie came out. I have not seen it because of my vision, but I heard people talking. But when I seen the video of myself for the real 
what happened before they came up this crazy video and got it all, you know, distorted. And my heart went out then when I seen this. And I look back at nothing changed but the year because we're looking at our people being slaughtered right now. And that Emmett Till is going on all across the north, the south, everywhere black people are there still killing us. So nothing changed but the year. Just about four years ago, we in Mobile. I'm about a 45-minute ride from there. There was a young man hung in the park. He said he committed suicide. Who commits suicide by hanging himself in the park? You know, so we know that is still going on. And rest assured, beloved sister, uh, those cities we built, and they burnt them down over a lie, over a white woman, you know, whatever they have done all the years that we've been here on this part of, of America, that we have a living God. And a lot is going to handle this, even though the minister, we say, we oh, a lot, please handle this soon. He said, no, because if you wish for it now, you might lose your loved one. So he's giving us time, but that time is running out. A lot is not planned. There's too much killing going on. Uh, with the white man, plus what he's doing with us, with the drugs, we're killing each other. This brother got shot over 90 times, overkill. And we're like sheep. We sit back and watch and do nothing. Like when the brother had the knee on his neck. We sitting around like sheep, like the minister said, and nobody stood up. We're going to die, die fighting. That brother should have never died like that. But we're still caught up in that slave mentality. So the minister is telling us, be patient. Because look what all I just did with uh, Ann. Went through there and tore up all with a rip. So Allah is on his job. We just got to get on our job and get away from these people. Well, what are we going to do? The minister said, don't worry about what we're going to do, what they're going to do, because we're going to go free. And Allah got so that wheel feels real, like our brother said. You know, we uh, we have to understand scriptures right here in front of the minister's pages. So once we come together and understand it, world is through. We just got to be prepared, do our food, get together, come together, and be prepared because this thing, I was a brother speaking, say, will we make it to 2025? That ain't nothing around the corner. That's how serious this thing is going. So we have to stay together, love each other. And I'm looking at back, nothing happening about that, even though brother mentioned all these names, and so plenty of names have not been mentioned. What our brother, our baby brother, uh, Tamir Rice, 13 years old, how you going to reach uh, think that he's a 21-year-old, he's out there with a gun, a plate gun, water gun, whatever it may be, and before the car stops completely, he gets shot and killed, you know? So right. it's just, we have to, yes, and I was just saying, and I'm going to get off because I, I know there's other guests, I'm listening to our beloved sister, Ava, may Allah continue to bless in her spirit, long live the spirit of our beloved sister Ava. I was listening to one of her uh, lectures off the time, I mean, off the uh, uh, final call radio this morning. And she was speaking about what you said, Brother Reginald, uh, about the uh, sister. She went to the white man back then that was at their uh, center, demanding the man, her husband, to get paid because he got tired of working. He never got paid. And killed him, lynched him. Then they, she went and demanded them to arrest him. There was another death warrant. Hung, her, hunger, and came back two days for parts, but they used our body parts for souvenirs, and a baby still alive. Cut that one, our sister opened, the baby fell out in the stump, the feet, and crushed the baby head. This is what's going on now. So ain't nothing changed but the year. So this state, we just stay on our prayers. 
because we do have a living God. There ain't no spook God here. That will is real. All we got to do is come together and love one another, and we just come together and be safe, and may Allah continue to bless our beloved sister Ava, radio show, long live the spirit of our sister Ava. As-salamu alaykum. Love you all. Stay safe. Well, can, well mm-hmm. Thank you, Brother Darrell. Um, as we go to Brother Harl, I'd just like to say, our next caller, Brother Harl, I'd like to invoke some of what I heard student minister Nuri Muhammad, as well as other student ministers and helpers of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan say, Pharaoh let our people go. No, our people let Pharaoh go. And I would also like to lift up here Minister Farrakhan's message out of North Charleston, South Carolina. He spoke about the inevitable, unstoppable rise of black people inside of America. So we've already been declared free. And again, as some of the panel said tonight, it's time to separate, you know. Um, they've let us go. They have completely let us go. And we can see this, and there's no more use for us. And so now we've been getting gunned down. And also the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has said that the, the victims will become more innocent and younger. Dr. Rickley, back me up. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum, dear brothers and sisters. This is your brother Abdul Shaheed Muhammad. As planned, we are breaking away from the program of Elevated Places at 8 o'clock. And we have a guest that will be calling in shortly. Our sister, Sister Yolanda Shelton, will be calling in from uh, West Point, Mississippi. She will be having a rally on the 12th of November in West Point with regard to the young brother who was shot by Gulfport police that our sister Ali uh, Gordon alluded to, Jaheen McMillan was his name, 15-year-old child, shot multiple times, six at least, according to witnesses, uh, in the head and torso, uh, no felony charges, unarmed. Uh, Police say a gun was uh, present. Most of the people, well, really all of the witnesses, not most, every witness that spoke said that there was no gun. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, We want to uh, remind you, please be reminded the national, well, I shouldn't say national, the Prison Reform Ministry Gala, don't forget you all, December 17th, uh, this year, December 17th, in Holly Springs, Mississippi. Make sure you get your tickets. But we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we should be hearing from our sister Yolanda Shelton very, very shortly. We'll be uh, right back. We'll be right back. Come celebrate with us on Saturday, December 17th at 5 p.m. at the Nation of Islam's 4th Annual Prison Reform Ministry Gala at the Multipurpose Center located at 235 North Memphis Street in Holly Springs, Mississippi. Come celebrate Saturday, December 17th at 5 p.m. For ticket information, call 615-484-2377 or 901-506-7306. The Nation of Islam Prison Reform Ministry. Oh my God, what a start. For me, the Prison Reform Ministry represents salvation. It represented to me vindication, um, confirmation. As I began to study Islam under the teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, my thoughts began to develop and my thoughts began to grow as a young man. 
and it gave me a renewed sense of faith and confidence. It gave me a different swag. It gave me a different level of power. It gave me a different level of hope, something I never knew or had before. Prison reform under the teachings and guidance of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan made me a better husband, a better father, a better grandfather, a better brother to my brothers and my sisters. Prison reform, it took a former drug user, drug seller, alcohol drinker, an abuser of women. It took me from this kind of life and made me into the man that God is making me into. This ministry changed thousands upon thousands of black men's lives in state and federal penitentiaries. This ministry saved my life. My life. The brothers was there from the beginning to the end. Every single month, they're there. Now, I'm three or four hours away from their home. And not only that, when I got out of the prison, they gave me a job. I didn't have a car. They said, hey, go pick Brother John up and make sure he gets to the mine. When I first got out, I lived in a hotel room. The nation of the prison reform ministry will raise money to help me pay for my hotel room. This, I'm talking about a follow-through. Not only that, I'm born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, put me in a car with his family, and took me home to see my family in St. Louis. Now, how come you can't get behind a prison ministry like that, man? This is Brother Eric Muhammad from Muhammad Mosque number 60 in Nashville, Tennessee. I've been a volunteer in the prison reform ministry for over 20 years. I've had the opportunity to see how the teachings of the most honorized mom has changed a lot of people's lives, a lot of men's lives that have been incarcerated that the institution classified as irredeemable. But once we were able to get in and give them what the most honorable Muhammad has given us, their lives changed. A transformation takes place. We want you to come down December the 17th to our 4th annual prison reform gala and meet and see some of these men. Hear some of their stories of how the teachings saved and changed their lives. For more information, call 615-484-2377 or 901-506-7306. at the Mississippi on the Move podcast. Once again, I am your brother, Abdul Shaheed Muhammad. And we have our sister, our sister, sister Yolanda. She should be on the line. Sister Yolanda, are you there? Yes, I am. I can't hear you good, sister. Let me see. Let me bring, see if I can bring you up. Okay, I got your volume all the way. Say something again, ma'am. Hello. I can hear you. Do you have on earplugs or... Okay. Are they wireless? Yes. Okay. You probably need some hardwired ones. Otherwise, you'll have to turn your volume on the side of your phone. Oh, you can hear. Okay. Well, my wife says she can hear you fine. If the audience can hear you fine, I'll deal with the low volume coming through you. Sister, welcome to our podcast. Let's give her a round of applause. Sister Yolanda Shelton, she is. 
Sister, La- Sister Yolanda, thank you, Sister, for taking time out of your schedule to be a part of uh, our, our podcast for tonight. Um, why don't you just start by introducing yourself to our audience? They, they, they can't respond. They can definitely hear you. I see them all online. They, they definitely are listening. Okay. Um, first and foremost, I want to acknowledge the creator. My name is Yolanda Shelton. I am the minister of information for the Southern Region of New Black Africa and also the cheerleader of the West Point, Mississippi chapter. I was born and raised here in West Point. I have three kids that are going to uh, One grandson that's five. I'm a traveling... I've been in the medical field for 19 years. I have a small black-owned business called Yo's African Jewelry and Accessories. Also, I'm a licensed bail bondsman for five years, hoping to start my own company in 2023. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Now, now I can hear you nice and clear. I made just a minor tweak, and boom, you're coming in nice, loud, and clear. Sister Yolanda, uh, I, we were just on the Elevated Places uh uh, blog talk radio that's on every Thursday at seven o'clock. Uh, it was um, the uh, the concept and the program of our lately departed sister, student minister Ava Muhammad. May God Allah be pleased with her. And there are those who are continuing that blog talk radio broadcast, and we were just on there with uh, Ali Gordon, who is the cousin of Emmett Till, and we were talking about the legacy of uh, Miss Till and the strength of her to be able to endure what she endured. And then we asked the question, has Mississippi changed 67 years after the murder of Emmett Till? And of course, the, que- the answer to that question is an emphatic no, because now there's a mother in Gulfport, sister, dealing with uh, the same pain that Mamie Till has to deal with, that her son was taken from her in such a horrific fashion and interestingly enough, he's just one year older than Emmett Till. Emmett was 14, and this young brother, Jaheem, is just 15, and he's just one of many. Give us, sister, in your own words and your own thoughts of what's going on uh, with that particular incident and, and what's uh, going to happen on the 12th with regard to the rally uh, that you are organizing. I feel like um, she needs justice for her son. Mm. And we're we're going down tomorrow to do a rally in Gulfport, Mississippi, trying to bring awareness to the community that we all need to stand together to help her get justice. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And that's that's one of the things that this podcast is endeavoring to do, dear sister, is to serve as a, a platform to bring awareness, more awareness. And if, if we can do what you're saying, sister, then we are with you 1,000%. We have to come together. We have to hitch our wagons. We as a collective uh, have to look beyond the traditional lines that we have allowed to be drawn to justify us not uh, working, uh, at least having operational unity. Of course, we're not going to agree on everything but that doesn't mean that we have to disagree to the point that we have a complete unwillingness to work with one another while uh, at the behest of our open enemies, we don't have a problem working with them. Now, one of the things that's what's going to be going on this weekend, weekend in, the, in addition to the uh, protest, because uh, I had a conversation with the brother Lorenzo Sims. Shout out to Zoe. 
appreciate what you're doing, brother. And I saw the flyer associated with what you're talking to. What are some of the financial things uh, in, uh, in reference to what was on the flyer that's going to be done or that's in the planning of being done? Um, we're, um, we're going to be, um, like to my financial as far as the event, what I'm going to have at the event. Well, no, as far as the economic, uh, moves we're going to make to, to get some justice. In other words, the same kind of thing that Mega Evers did with respect to the boycotts and just not, not necessarily boycotting the sense that the word is understood, but, uh, start behaving in an economic fashion that we support ourselves to the right, benefit right. of ourselves. We ain't trying to slight nobody else, but we need to feed ourselves first. Uh, so what, what do you guys, what do you see that going? Okay. I plan well. What I tell my um, people in my organization, it's time to start supporting black owned business. We have a lot of brothers and sisters that own business. And sometimes people don't even want to, support them but it's time for us to start now because just like with the dollar store we need to start boycotting these places and start spending our money and if we do that then we can make a difference yes ma'am yes that that stratagem sister has always been successful and my thoughts go to 1995 when the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan called for a million black men to come to Washington one aspect of that event and that history that's very, very seldom talked about is the economic impact of black people not spending money for just one day, not shopping for one day, not going to work. Our children didn't go to school. A large swath of black America responded favorably to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan's request. So, in the wake of that, sister, a lot of the big box stores like your Targets, uh, your Kmarts, have you noticed you ain't really seen Kmart around? But that one day had a heck of a, a profound effect on business around America. And, and I say that because the, the number one instrument or, or weapon that we have is our dollar and the ability to either give it to them or not give it to them. But if we decide not to give it to them, we have to redirect it uh, into our communities and establish goods and services and businesses that will service the needs and fill the void if we decide to pull away from them. So uh, yes, sister, we are, are certainly uh, in agreement uh, with that particular strategy. What time uh, will everything kick off this weekend and the locations? At 12, we'll meet, we're going to meet up, and then we'll um, go to the dollar store. will be our first stop. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I talked to Kamal, Brother Kamal Kareem, uh, sister, and as I was mentioning on the Elevated Places uh, Blog Talk Radio broadcast, there are many others uh, that have suffered this. There are many mothers uh, down in the Delta, down towards West Point and Gulfport and the other uh, small townships uh, where we live and they live whose uh, children have been just shot down. Uh, and I just had a list. Thanks uh, once again to our brother Kamal Kareem who sent me a list, uh, an active list of black men that were found hung down in the, those areas with the, no resolution. The family just got to live with it, you know? So what are, what are some of the, uh, 
the others that you are familiar with, sister, that you can share with the audience in terms of how parents and how families are coping with these things? Well, I know um, I got a friend that um, she lost her son to um, gun violence. And it's it's hard. It's a lot of um, parents here in West Point that have lost their um, kids to gun violence. It's hard. It's something I don't think they'll never be able to get over. You know, but they just coping with it day by day. Yes, ma'am. And you, you said gun violence. That that kind of like segues us into uh, the the part that we're going to have to be responsible for. And what I'm alluding to is the fact is uh, that, or not fact is, but the fact that uh, you know we we're calling for justice, right? And mm-hmm. it's it's certainly a right call. It is the proper call. We, we should expect where we live, those who say that they are policing our communities, we should expect justice when we are being dealt with by them. But one thing that the Honorable Louis Farrakhan has shared with us, I, I, rem, I listened to a talk, he said that we as a people are so filled with hatred of self that somebody has to come and plead with us to stop killing ourselves. And it's very, very hard, this Sister Yolanda, to demand mm-hmm. something that we refuse to give to ourselves. So what, what in your mind can we do or should we do as it relates to the, our mothers that are losing their children to gun violence and the young brothers and sisters that are in the street that are at odds with one another? And our enemy is feeding this, you know, and using hip-hop culture as a conduit. They are wep- they've weaponized hip-hop culture against our young people. And there's a quote we use at the beginning of our program where it says from Victor Hugo, if the soul is left in darkness, sins will be committed. The guilty one is not he who commits the sin, but he who causes the darkness. So in your words, sister, what can we do in terms of working with our young people to try to stem the tide of some of this uh, gun violence that's happening between them? Well, I feel like we should start trying to get more programs for the kids after school, um, mentoring to them and letting them know that there is an outlet. We're here. You know, we got different organizations, and I believe all our organizations should come together to put forth to try to come up with um, different programs that we all can, that the kids and ourselves can utilize so that um, to keep them busy. I think if we keep them busy, maybe we could stop some of this. And as they smile, teach them why they smile. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Stay on them. Stay on them. Work with them. Stay on them. And just teach them the right way. I believe we can save some of the youth, some of the younger ones. Yes, ma'am. I, I certainly believe that as well, sister, what we do in the Nation of Islam, which is something that we would like to introduce uh, through uh, our 10,000 fearless that the Honorable Louis Farrakhan called us to convene. We need people that are not afraid to talk to our young people. We need people that are not afraid to not only talk to our young people, uh, but also confront the injustices going on with our open enemies. And one of the things that we do, sister, is called conflict resolution. And, and we mm-hmm. would like uh, to, to introduce it. God willing, sister, we plan, at least I do myself, plan to make, uh, make uh, the trip down to West Point on uh, November the 12th, which is on a Saturday, 
to be a part of the happenings there. And God willing, sister, we would like to introduce our brothers and sisters in the various organizations to what we call conflict resolution in that. And this is see, this is what I call uh, trench work, meaning that ain't no cameras and microphones present while this kind of work is going on. This is going in the hood, getting the, the various factions of their leadership and ask them, brother, are you willing to talk with the other side you're beefing with to see if we can dialogue and put our guns down and not spill each other's blood. Because if the Palestinians and the Israelis can sit down at the table of diplomacy uh, without killing each other, if uh, all of these great nations, where they have years and years of blood spilt between them, can sit down (laughs) and come to a ceasefire, why can't we go into our neighborhoods, bring our young brothers to a neutral location with an impartial party and say, look, brother, can we fix this without you all lurking one another and killing one another? What do you think about something like that, Sister Yolanda? I think it's an awesome idea. Okay, very good. Because it was introduced to us uh, by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Uh, He called for it. It's happening in several states and cities uh, throughout America. We're the ones that are doing it. You will not hear about it in the mainstream uh, media because they do not have an interest in resolving conflicts between our young brothers. As you just heard, uh, what's uh, the, um, the rapper's name? It was on the tip of my tongue. Brother just got shot down in Houston, Houston, Texas. I think drop off, drop it off. I think, um, please forgive me if I'm, uh, to the young people that are listening, if I'm not saying the brother's uh, name right. But he shot down. You know, and where does it end here in Memphis? Young Dolph was shot down. I mean, we can't we can't come to the table of dialogue without taking these young brothers off the planet. And then we want to turn around and go make the demand that the enemy stop killing us. So we got a huge, a huge job uh, ahead of us, uh, Sister Yolanda. Um, Who else is going to be involved in addition to uh, your organization and uh, Uh, I think Brother Lorenzo, is he part of what you're doing? Yes, we are Panthers. Yes, ma'am. Are there any other organizations that are going to be involved other than uh, the new black uh, NBPP? Okay. We got the um, organization called Youth Against Gang Activity. Yaga. Yeah. Also, we got got some GDs, some Stones, and some Vice Lords. They coming out, too. They going to be with us on that day. Well, great, sister. I think that's wonderful. And God willing, uh, we'll be part of the contingency of people um, that that loves ourselves enough to come into the community and do something to, to help uh, bring justice for us uh, coming from these local uh, law enforcement agencies that feel as though they just got caught blunt, man. They can just come in our neighborhood and run roughshod. We was expressing that the same thing, the same mentality that existed during the time of Emmett Till, where mm-hmm. white men felt like they can just come and knock on any door in our neighborhood. You know, they felt comfortable enough, bold enough, and pull a young boy out of his house and take him off into the night for his family to never see him again. To my understanding, sister, one of the, the officers uh, went to Jaheen, this, this young brother that just got killed, 
uh, I, as we understand it, sister, and we carried that story in the recent uh, issue, one of the recent issues of the Final Call newspaper to the listening audience and to the brothers and sisters uh, down in that area. This is another reason we push the Final Call newspaper because it tells the story. We are not corporate driven, so when we write what happened, we get it from the source. We talk to the people in the community and find out what's really going on because, of course, that local newspaper is going to report it slanted. And I would venture to say they have, have they not? Right. They have, and they, they sided with who says. Uh uh-uh, uh, I didn't repeat that again. Go back and repeat it again. I'm sorry. The local My, um the local newspaper, when they wrote the story, how did they write the story of what happened to uh Jaheen? What I when I seen it, um, they were saying that he had a gun. He came uh-huh. out with a weapon. Uh-huh. And but the people on the scene said he didn't. Is that not correct? Right. I seen a um a white lady, you know, from what I seen from the videos, because I've been following it myself, I seen well, a white lady, she said that she seen everything. She said he came out with his hands up. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they and they shot him. And she said that she would be willing to tell anybody, you know, what she seen because she felt like it went right. Was she on the local news there to give that statement or was it just online when somebody would, you know, recorded it and posted it on uh, social media? Somebody recorded and po- posted on social media. They went to her car and they was talking to her while she was in the car. It's like she was so nervous that, you know, after she had just seen that, right. you know, it had did some tool. Traumatizing. She was traumatized. Yep. And I, I saw that video, so I know what you're talking about. And I wondered whether or not it was carried in the local news there. And, uh, and of course, you just said it wasn't. And local news reported that he did have a gun. So, there you there there again sister we have to tell our own story and if we don't do it then no one will ever know what's really going on and the way they handle local news is they control the narrative of what's happening in that local town and the people that really know what's happening or that will give an opposing view or a different view than what they want to report black or white they don't want to hear from them so hence you have this lady online talking about it but the local news uh, has nothing to say about it. Well, Sister Yolanda, it's about, we got about seven minutes left uh, in tonight's program, Sister. We want to thank you for coming on. Anything you want to leave uh, with our audience before you go, because I don't want to take all your time, anything you want to leave with us concerning what's coming up in terms of events and what is uh, going to be going on down your way in uh, West Point in that area? It just did, um, like on the 12th, we're doing the um, Stop the Violence rally, and we're getting a lot of different organizations to come out. I want the youth to see that we're a part of different organizations. That don't mean we can't work together, we can't unite. And we ought to be able, like you said earlier, if we got something going on, we ought to be able to talk about it. That's right. And I also talked to some guys, I went to Aberdeen, Mississippi today, Mm -hmm. I went to um, Starville yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I talked to some guys that's in different um, organizations like street organizations and I asked them if they didn't mind would they come out and speak from a prison point of view you know like they done been in prison they know what it's like and I was telling him I said that I want the kids to know that when you go to prison it's not what you think it is you know Mm -hmm. Um, it's a possibility you might not even make it back to your family 
And he was like, yeah, you're right, you're right. I said, I just want you to come down and educate the youth on it because sometimes they thinking they're doing something big, but really they hurting their parents and they taking somebody else's life. Right. Exactly. And they going, they going to um, prison. That's right, sister. As a matter of fact, if you heard uh, that jingle we just put out, we're about to, in, in Holly Springs, Mississippi, our mm-hmm. national prison reform student minister, uh, Abdullah Muhammad, we're going to be honoring him for 32 years of service. Uh, that effort is being spearheaded uh, by really our brother who co-hosts this with me. Uh, he and his mm-hmm. wife and some of the believers out of mosque number six, 60 in Nashville. This is the fourth time they're having this prison reform gala, but it's going to be in Holly Springs on December 17th. And what it is going to be about is many other brothers who've been incarcerated. They're going to be gathering and uh, basically fellowshipping and celebrating the fact that it was the teachings of the honorable Elijah Muhammad that transformed their lives. That when they got out of prison, they came out and became productive men, husbands and fathers and uh, uh, contributors to our, our community. So um, we'll be uh, talking more about that. Matter of fact, I'm going to uh, pump that one more time before we leave the air tonight. But once again, sister, thank you for coming on, Sister Yolanda. Know that this platform is going to be used by God's grace to help get the word out of what's happening to us down in those uh, various areas. Uh, So until next time, sister, thank you for coming on. Please give all of our brothers in the new Black Panther Party down there our love and greetings, and God willing, we'll see you all sometime in the very, very near future. All right? All right. Thank you all for having me. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, dear sister. There you have it, our dear sister, Sister Yolanda uh, Shelton, who came on to be with us tonight. Uh, As you heard, her credentials, she's a traveling nurse, among other things. She has her own business. And she's working, uh, she's one of the officers in the Black Panther Party over several uh, chapters and divisions there in that area. So, brothers and sisters, we're about at the end. We're about 27 minutes after the hour. We're going to go and break away and give our announcements, and we're going to come back and close out tonight's program. We'll be right back. Worldwide, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Download the Final Call radio app and take us everywhere. On your phone, on your computer, on your tablet, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also log on to FinalCall.com and click the Listen Live button. Or FinalCallRadio.com. Final Call, Final Call Radio. The official voice of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. What's your source for truth in news reports? No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. Where do you turn for non-corporate driven news that's fair and balanced? Subscribe to the Final Call News, your number one free and independent news source that delivers hard-hitting national and international news coverage of today's political, economic, and social issues. To subscribe to local home delivery, call us at area code 662-252-8999. That's 662-252-8999. Visit our website at www.finalcall.com. The Urban Indulgence Bath and Body Boutique 
At Urban Indulgence, we pride ourselves on offering quality, effective skin care. Handcrafted with plant-based, skin-loving ingredients, our soaps and body butters will give you luxurious lather and ultimate moisture. Experience the Urban Indulgence at 3314 Poplar Avenue in Memphis, three blocks west of Poplar Plaza, or shop with us online at theurbanindulgence.com. Theurbanindulgence.com. Celebrate with us on Saturday, December 17th at 5 p.m. at the Nation of Islam's 4th Annual Prison Reform Ministry Gala at the Multipurpose Center located at 235 North Memphis Street in Holly Springs, Mississippi. Come celebrate Saturday, December 17th at 5 p.m. For ticket information, call 615-484-2377 or 901-506-7306. The Nation of Islam Prison Reform Ministry. Oh my God, what a start. For me, the prison reform ministry represents salvation. It represented to me vindication, um, confirmation. As I began to study Islam under the teachings of the most honorable Muhammad, my thoughts began to develop and my thoughts began to grow as a young man. And it gave me a renewed sense of faith and confidence. It gave me a different swag. It gave me a different level of power. It gave me a different level of hope, something I never knew or had before. Prison reform, under the teachings and guidance of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, made me a better husband, a better father, a better grandfather, a better brother to my brothers and my sisters. Prison reform. It took a former drug user, drug seller, alcohol drinker, an abuser of women. It took me from this kind of life and made me into the man that God is making me into. This ministry changed thousands upon thousands of black men's lives in state and federal penitentiaries. This ministry saved my life. My life. My life. Teachers, the brothers was there from the beginning to the end. Every single month, they're there. Now I'm three or four hours away from their home. And not only that, when I got out of the prison, they gave me a job. I didn't have a car. They said, hey, go pick Brother John up and make sure he gets to the mine. When I first got out, I lived in a hotel room. The nation of the prison reform ministry will raise money to help me pay for my hotel room. This, I'm talking about a follow-through. Not only that, I'm born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. Put me in a car with his family and took me home to see my family in St. Louis. Now, how come you can't get behind a prison ministry like that, man? This is Brother Eric Muhammad from Muhammad Moss, number 60 in Nashville, Tennessee. I've been a volunteer in the prison reform ministry for over 20 years. I've had the opportunity to see how the teachings of the most honorable Muhammad has changed a lot of people's lives, a lot of men's lives that have been incarcerated, that the institution classified as irredeemable. But once we were able to get in and give them what the most honorable Muhammad has given us, their lives changed. A transformation takes place. We want you to come down. December the 17th to our 4th annual prison reform gala and meet and see some of these men. 
Here's some of their stories of how the teachings saved and changed their lives. For more information, call 615-484-2377 or 901-506-7306. Brothers and sisters, once again, thank all of you for tuning in. That's going to do it for tonight's edition of the Mississippi on the Move podcast. Again, I'm your brother, Abdul Shahid Muhammad, signing off for this evening. And we leave you as we come before you, as always, with the greeting words of peace of Assalamu alaikum. Mississippi on the Move. Let's go. Mississippi on the